Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Evolution is more than a theory. It is a fundamental scientific principle. You know, there's a scientific term for that. It's called baloney. We are so stupid that we think that just because telephones and computers and cars are intelligently designed, that means we are too. Well, we're not. I don't trust that Richard Dawkins. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. Is the only logical explanation, unless you don't want to believe in science and logic. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And away we go. It's the Wretched Radio mail call delivery bag Q&A infotainment nationwide extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear pop, message pop, pop, to the pop. people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. It is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd. Wait, is the microphone on? Friel. Yes, it is. Ooh, that's embarrassing. That's... Oh, sorry you caught me getting into character. Thank you for sending questions, comments, conundrums, and snarks to idea at wretched.org. Hey, Jimmy, wait a second before you get to the mailbag. I've actually got an email right in front of me. Ah, you do. How's my acting? Keanu it, Reeves level? Yeah, it's okay. Larry Hagman level? You think? <laughs> Hello, Todd. With only one D. Hmm. That means death in German. Hello, tot. I've been listening. That's the German word. Tot. You're, you know, I wonder if that's where we get toast. Your toast. Where does that saying come from? Could it possibly be your tot? And it's somehow somebody who had took a trip on the Rhine River, came back and inserted an S. Hello, toast. I've been listening to your podcast daily with my wife. That's cool. We serve in a local church in the Philippines. That's cool. As pastor and lay minister, study Bibles are really expensive and scarce. Uh, Please consider sending even just one copy for us. We would be forever grateful if ever you would grant us that generosity. Why do I share this email that is actually real? Because we actually can send study Bibles to the Philippines. Apparently, this fellow hasn't heard about it yet. Or maybe he did, and he's like, please send them. And we will, thousands of them. If you would consider supporting our joint effort with the Master's Academy International, this is out of the Shepherds uh, Shepherds Conference, the Master's Seminary, Grace Community Church, Master's Academy International. It's when indigenous men fly to the States. They get a theological education at the SEM. Then they go back and they open up a mini seminary and then they train pastors. That means churches are getting strengthened in 17 countries. It's an amazing ministry. And we want to send study Bibles to believers in TMAI graduate churches. That means this is generational. It is going to be powerfully impactful and it is going to be a game changer For generations, would you please consider sending study Bibles of the John MacArthur sort by visiting wretched.org slash Bible. Okay, Jimmy, I don't think I have any more emails now. Okay, so you're ready for me? Yes, I am. Okay. Well, this one comes from um, Debbie. She says, Dear Tote, listening to your radio show, I understand your views on women in the ministry and agree for the most part. However, there are times when women have had to step into the men's roles because there aren't, mm. there just aren't enough men willing to do the job, mm. qualified to do the job, or there just plain aren't men, enough men around. So in that situation, 
how should one react? This might be the lamest sermon illustration ever, and that's saying a lot. Let's imagine. Just genders really don't matter. You have a chi- you have child A, and you tell the child, "Do not use that dish rag in the sink. Whatever you do, don't touch that thing. I'm telling you, don't do it." Child B comes into the kitchen and spills Kool Aid on the floor, and it goes splashing all over the place. Should child A disobey parent and wipe up the Kool Aid? You might be tempted to say, "Well, yeah." But if the child is going to be obedient, he can say to the parent, you instructed me clearly, don't do it. I knew there was a need. I wanted to help, but I wanted to follow your rules because I know you know what is always right and best. Okay, told you it was going to be a bit lame. The point is, God has said certain offices, certain roles are specifically for men. What are those roles? Well, take a look at 1 Timothy 2, specifically verse 12. I do not permit a woman to usurp authority, to teach or usurp authority over men. That's the rule. And just because there isn't somebody there to fill the role of elder, it doesn't mean we can be pragmatic and say, I know God said don't do it, but the ends justify the means. We really need a preacher. So, Mary, you're up. Can't do that. Now, having said that, could I please do a shout out to all women and all men, which is everybody? Because there's only women and men, despite contrary reports these days. Women should be encouraged and applauded for participating in the life of the church. We we need to do a better job at this. We need to encourage women. Hey, we do want you teaching. Now, we do have some parameters because of 1 Timothy 2.12. So you can teach the kids. That's a teaching ministry. You can teach other women. That's a teaching ministry. And you can do all kinds of things around the church. Are you, are you, you mean you're a mom, your kids are going to high school, and you're a CPA? Could you help with the books? Why not plug women in with their skill sets into needs in the church? The line that we can't cross, though, is having a woman usurp authority teaching. Is then, then they're connected. Men, otherwise, let's get the Goyles involved in church life. And furthermore, if you are a church and there aren't enough men to fill manly roles, the roles that only men should be filling, What should you do? The answer is found in a sermon from my pastor a couple of weeks ago. He was talking about, I think it was 2000, early 2000s, three, six. He had been a part of the church for, uh, sorry, I've got the details wrong, Ty, about a decade. And he's increasingly conservative. And wah and la, there's a church split. Basically, seven out of the eight elders, just the vast majority, vamoosed. People left. And there he is wondering, what have I done and what should I do? He heads out to a shepherd's conference. And during that journey, he spoke to an individual that is an expert in helping churches when they're going through struggles like this. And he said, what should I do? And the fellow said, start a men's Bible study. Oh, okay. So he gets to the conference. He's doing the expositors seminar and the the classes that they have on how to rightly divide the word of truth. He's in the living room of John MacArthur, a pastor, there were like seven of them. And one of the other pastors said, Dr. MacArthur, my church, it's in shambles. What do you think I should do? Start a men's Bible study was the answer. Then he bumps into Steve Lawson. 
He asked him the same question, and Steve Lawson said, what you should do is start a men's Bible study. And he did. Because male leadership is so crucial. It is so important. It has such an impact on a church. So let's encourage the women, and let's grow up the men, and let's send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right. And this next one is from uh, RC, not Sproul. It was well, just Todd. There would be two big problems if R.C. Sproul (laughs) sent me a theological question. That's the first problem. R.C. Sproul sending me a theological question. Second of all, R.C. Sproul sending anything. We miss R.C., don't we? Oh, we do. I'm telling you, that guy. So he's uh, this R.C. is, uh, is wondering, Todd, what exactly is the spiritual authority women are not to usurp over men? That's that's a term that we use to describe. Now, this this is talking about the home realm as opposed to the spiritual realm in the church. But it's that the that the father is supposed to be the spiritual leader of the home. Does that mean that the mother never contributes? Of course not. She does that a lot. I, the the whole issue of submission is really so woefully examined. What does it mean to submit? Well, first of all, when you scoot to Ephesians chapter 4, you see mutual submission. There's a bit of an inclusio. Paul says, submit to one another. Then he launches into wives first. Then, after telling the women to submit to their husbands, likewise, men submit to their wives. What does that mean? We go about the business of serving one another, giving deference to the other person's preference. But in the times when a decision needs to be made, and there is an agreement, but the decision has to be made, then it is it is the man who gets to pull the trigger on those decisions, whether it's spiritual, whether it's church issues. But there's a sin issue in the family. Ultimately, dad is the one who is given the consistent coin toss. Otherwise, our lives would be a coin toss. We would be at loggerheads with one another constantly. So God said, I'm just going to help you with this, sir. When it comes to these issues, you take the lead on this. Now, there's more to the story. Take it into the church realm. When somebody is teaching, teaching by nature, it is an authoritative role. It is. No matter how you're doing it, you don't have to thunder like George Whitfield. You just need to be teaching a spirit. You are teaching formally a spiritual thing. This doesn't mean that women can't talk to men or they can't talk in Bible study. It's leading it, being the teacher, being the preacher. It simply is the role that God said for the orderly running of both church and home. I have designated roles, and it should not be a bummer for a wife to be a submitter because God himself describes himself as a submitter, a helper. And this is a reminder. It takes both genders to glorify God. So, sir, in your leadership role, you glorify God because he's a leader. Madam, when you submit and help, you're acting like God who submits and helps. We need both genders to glorify God. This is Wretched Radio. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash wretched affordable biblical health 
sharing, Christians paying for other Christians' medical bills, which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for mm, bad stuff. Second of all, you can save on average $500 per month. And finally, MediShare, it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years. It works, and the members, including myself and Mrs. Friel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched. In November 2020, Tim Challies and his wife Aileen received the phone call every parent dreads. Their 20-year-old son Nick, while away at seminary, collapsed and died. As Tim and his wife traveled to Louisville, Tim began to do the only thing he knew to do to process his loss. He began to write. And now all of his writings, some of which have been shared publicly, some not until now for the first time, have all been compiled into his latest book, Seasons of Sorrow, The Pain of Loss and the Comfort of God. Seasons of Sorrow is a book for anyone that is loved and lost. It benefits those that are working through sorrow or those that are comforting others. You'll not only see how God is sovereign over loss, but how good he is in those moments. You'll discover how to pass through times of grief while keeping your faith, and you'll learn biblical doctrine can work itself out even in life's most difficult situations. Seasons of Sorrow, available now in the Wretched Store at wretched.org. 200. That's right, 200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel, they're getting saved, their parents are getting saved, the church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local church. It became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Know your church fathers. Origen of Alexandria was a 2nd century theologian who wrote one of the first systematic theology books. Origen observed that heretics twisted and misused scripture by taking verses out of context. However, he refuted them by reading the verses in context and interpreting them in the light of the rest of scripture. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. What are you thinking? We'd like to know. This is Wretched Radio. Got thoughts about this program, life, theology, whatever. Please send it to idea at wretched.org and please keep the stories coming. I just, just see so much that I would never find by myself. So please, if you think it's wretched, send it to idea at wretched.org. All right. Uh, this one is from Randy. And let's stay on that same theme we've been on. Uh, Randy says, uh, Todd, in light of 1 Timothy 2.12, what do you think about men listening to female podcasters that at times expound on the Bible? Some of these issues, we have to confess, get tricky. 
because I think when it comes to the issue of usurping authority, I think the overarching understanding is the teaching of the word of God. That's that's what's in view here. When you do that, you're in an authoritative position, even if it's with little children, even if it's with same gender, you're in an authoritative role. However, there's two mm, realms probably isn't the right word, but there's two other considerations, location and age. Is it in the church? Is it at home? Is it in the context where it appears that the woman is usurping the authority from a male pastor, elder, or, or any any of the overseer, whatever word, New Testament word you choose to use? Where's it located? Is it in a high school? That's another one that I think gets a little bit tricky. Should a woman be teaching the Bible to high school boys? Well, this brings us into the second consideration, which is age. How old are they? I know it gets fuzzy. When does a boy become a man? I think the answer is when a father says you're a man, but we can agree that at some point, perhaps at least puberty time or post-puberty, a boy is stepping into manhood. Should a woman be teaching that young person Bible in a high school? Well, it's not in the context of the church. So how do we, how do we flip the coin on this? How, how, do, how do we decide? I think the answer is that we veer on the side of safety, that we fall to the side of we don't want to step, we don't want to get as close to the line as we possibly can. Well, it's not exactly clear. It's a little fuzzy because, you know, you got the context and you got the age issue and you think 13, but I think 13 and it's in a high school or it's in a different location. Ugh, it does get tricky, but let's not flirt with sinning. Let's run from it. And I think God will honor that. So do I think that a woman should be teaching a, was it for the Sunday school, like the Sunday school group? Uh, no, it was women podcasters. Oh, women podcasters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My apologies. It's not in the church context. Do I think that anybody's getting the impression that she's trying to usurp authority? No, but I think wisdom, this is just wisdom would say, if you are a gifted woman teacher and you've got a podcast, that's no sin. Sir, should you choose to listen to it? Totally your call. But I would encourage the woman to at least put a disclaimer that gentlemen, I want you to understand, I have no desire to usurp authority. And if you believe that this is doing that, I don't. But if you do, please do not listen to this. I do not want you violating your conscience. Or the woman could say, this is a podcast for women. I'm doing this for the sake of my fellow gender. And if a man chooses to listen, that's up to him. I think that sort of disclaimer would allow a man to be able to listen to a podcast because it's made crystal clear this is not about usurpation of an assigned role. Are we done with the women in church questions? Nope. You're kidding me. <laughs> we have a lot of them. This is a... Uh, CBMW.org. <laughs> Go there. <laughs> they've this they've is done a, a thorough job of dissecting each one of these scenarios. This is a hot issue I think people just want clarity on. Uh, this next question is from Melissa, who says, uh, this is a question that is always gnawed at my brain. Are women able to witness the same way to a man, or is that considered trying to preach? Again, what is the location? You're out in the streets? I don't think... I don't think there's anything in view there that says 
that witnessing to a, an adult male is a usurping of authority. That is being obedient to the Great Commission. There, that was pretty clean, wasn't it? It was. It was. Are, are we done now? We, we me, are. Okay, I'm going to try another illustration. It could be just as bad as the last one. You work in the White House. And the president is the only one who can sign legislation. That's, you know, that's when we used to have legislation as opposed to just presidential orders. So the president is the only one who can sign that law. But he's busy. Just use your imagination on this. He's busy and he's traveling over. He's going to the queen's funeral, which, by the way, I have to tell you. When I first heard about the queen's death, I thought, well, that's that's sad. But it has increasingly become sadder to me because she indeed was a connection to the past generation, which had different traditions that I think were more conservative and biblical. And with her passing, yikes, she was like the last soldier on the wall. Whether Prince King Charles can assume that role or not, I don't know. But we were watching. This was um, this was like sharing at a staring at a shiny object. We couldn't take our eyes off of it. She is laying in Westminster Chapel in the what they call the hallway, massive room, and people are just filing through. And they've got the changing of the guard. They're you know they do their British thing that they do so magnificently. And they're dressed up in uniforms that look like they came from 1702. And I couldn't take my eyes off of it. Oh, she's, that era is kind of gone. And it's being replaced by the defender of the faiths. So, Britain, morning with you more. And this is going to go on for a few more days. And then the final burial will take place, I believe, on Monday. Joe Biden is there. A piece of legislation enters into the Oval Office, and it's super important it gets signed, but he's not there. Would you have the vice president sign it? No, because that's against the rules. I think we should develop a hearty and happy attitude toward gender distinctions and roles. Not because the fellows can go, yeah, that's right, so we can lead this stuff. No, but because this is the way that God has designed the planet to run. He's designed it in the church realm, family realm, government. You can debate that realm. But this is this. these are God's rules. So they're good. They're good. And we want to make sure that we stay in adherence to his desire for the operation of the church and the family. So don't flirt with the line. Run from the line, but don't do it like, oh, man, we don't get to do. Remember, what you are doing is uniquely glorifying God based on your gender. Is God strong? Yes, men tend to be stronger, so men glorify God in that way. Is God tender? Yes, he is. Women tend to be more tender Hence, they glorify him with that attribute. And that's why we've got two genders. And we should be rejoicing. Yay, God has figured this out for us because it is best. And we don't go about the business of trying to figure out a way around the rules, but find a way to cheerfully submit to his rules. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this one comes from... Just waiting for the shoe to drop here. What are you talking about? Another question about the role no, no, of women? No, 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 no. I'm done with those. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this one's from Micah, who says, Todd, a uh, brother in Christ is getting divorced from his wife of two years because she has abandoned God. What type of comfort can I give to him? Wait a second. 
he's divorcing his wife because she has abandoned God. Abandoned God. Yes. Has she abandoned the home? It doesn't say that. If it, I, we don't know the details on this, so let's talk in generalities. Is it biblical? Can a person get divorced when the spouse vamooses? Yes. The question, of course, is well, actually, there's a bunch of questions, but the question is, how do we know that that person is gone? They're done. They're not coming back. We make efforts to reach out, to try to reconcile, to work things out, to bring. But when it gets to the point, and this should be done with the careful consideration of your elders. You can get divorced in that situation because it's as if your spouse has died. But if a spouse goes from being a professing Christian to not, we have absolutely no grounds for divorce in that case. In fact, we see it even, I I think, just the exact opposite. Paul addresses this to the Corinthians. Hey, if you're unequally yoked, you can't get divorced. Now, in that scenario, it was the two of them were pagans. One of them got saved. The other, You can't get divorced. And so the same thing would be true for this gentleman. If he was saved, she professed to be a believer. Now she's not. That just isn't grounds for divorce. It's time for that man to do deeper, more profound, more sacrificial work than he probably ever has done in his life. And that is what God uses marriage for. That is precisely one of the the glorious fruits of marriage, that we become more Christ-like. That, that, that we are willing to serve and to help and to rescue our spouse who is straying. So what sort of comfort would I offer? Assuming we've got the details straight here, I wouldn't. I'd encourage him to stay in the game. Fight. Come up with a plan and a strategy. Exert more energy in that endeavor than anything else that you do. Pursue your straying spouse. Win your lost one. Bring them into the fold. And I'm telling you, you have no idea how amazing that can be. This is Wretched Radio. All righty. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Kicking off with interesting news, according to reports, Marsha Blackburn, senator from Tennessee, has just introduced legislation that would deal a pretty fatal blow to the nation's largest teachers union, the National Education Association. The proposed legislation states that the NEA can no longer be considered worthy of its federal charter because it has drifted substantially from its core mission and has become a massive political operation dedicated to imposing a radical progressive agenda on schools in the United States. And I say amen to that because you can go to Google and type in National Education Association and you'll find no fewer than 15, 20 stories from just this year alone of woke policies they've been involved in. You know, I really do not like talking about The View. But they have been in the news lately. There is no such thing as people having late-term abortions. 1.3% of abortions are performed at greater than 21 weeks. So there's no such thing as late-term abortions, but a percentage of abortions are performed late-term. Yeah, she just contradicted herself, but that's mostly what you get from The View. Well, there are reports floating around that the Idaho Department of Health and Welfare has been purchasing porn literacy materials from ETR, which is a nonprofit organization that produces the porn literacy materials in elementary to high school classrooms. By letting young people know that it's okay if they are curious and it's okay if they have thought about porn. 
That's So that's the ETR, and that's the type of porn literacy, apparently, that's being purchased and used in some Idaho school districts. As if this comes as no big shocker to you, but California launched a taxpayer-funded website earlier this week to promote the state's abortion services, not only for U.S. citizens living inside of California, but also undocumented immigrants and citizens living outside of California. So the California taxpayers get to fund anyone and everyone who wants to go murder their unborn babies inside the state. I'm sure the majority of them are thrilled about that. A court in Sudan recently dismissed apostasy charges against four Christians who were threatened with the death penalty unless they recanted. The judge dismissed the apostasy charges against the Christians, stating that apostasy is no longer a crime in Sudan. Initially arrested in June, the four converts from Islam had been subjected to degrading treatment while questioned, according to Christian Solidarity Worldwide. They were released the same day, but then re-arrested four days later. The Christian population of Sudan is estimated at around 2 million, or 4.5% of the total population of more than 43 million. As we tell you nearly daily here at Ratchet, please make sure that you continue to pray for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. More Ratchet Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important dates in Christian history. 1738. John Wesley's conversion eventually leads to the founding of the Methodist Church. Although he had no intention of forming a separate denomination, Wesley's followers left the Anglican Communion and founded churches throughout England and America. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Not so fast. For my sake. This is Wretched Radio. Just in case I perhaps gave the impression that my wife vamoosed or she was a professing believer and then backslid, if you will, and I rescued her and now our marriage is more profound than ever. No, that wasn't our scenario. In fact, this is a huge praise God. In the Ordo Salutis in our house, we got saved almost together. Not at the same, but like really really close. And I am so grateful for that. And if I gave the impression when I said, hey, if you've got a spouse who is now professing to be an unbeliever, go get them. Rescue. Work tirelessly to make sure that you stay married because you can't divorce an unbeliever just because they're an unbeliever. You work really, really hard. And if that marriage gets sweeter and reconciled, and if the person gets saved, oh, you have no idea what awaits you. How joyful that will be. And I share that, not based on personal experience, but I've heard that from countless people. Our marriage was a disaster. She was this, he was that. But then God did this amazing thing. And wow, is it better. And I can amen that sentiment because this might come as a shock to you. Despite what you might think, oh, there's sin in our home. That's right. There's sin, in, there's sin in everybody's home. You think of the highest. Charles Spurgeon had sin in his home. John MacArthur's got sin in his home. Don't think that some people escape marital struggles. Don't think that parents are just, well, I haven't had any issues. It's not true for anybody. And isn't it true that when you come through those seasons, it becomes sweeter? Isn't it true that when you reconcile after a skirmish, 
that it's more profound? Isn't it true that you feel closer to that spouse after decades of dealing with difficulties and sin? Which we'll be discussing, by the way, Saturday night. If you're anywhere near Foothills Community Church, you can join me and Jimmy. Yep. And Mrs. Hicks. Yes. She will be there. Huh. I had to, you know, it was kind of an arm twisting thing. Watch. She said, I see him she every day. She doesn't like Chick fil A. Wait, what? She said, I see him every day. I thought she liked Zaxby's, <laughs> and that was the reason because we're eating Chick fil A. Why? Because we're doing a church thing and we're in the South. So that's kind of the way that it is here. <laughs> Apparently, did you, speaking of Chick fil A, this is, look, maybe, maybe it wasn't the best choice of words. But consider the reaction to Chick-fil-A. They were announcing that, you know, here it is right here. They were announcing that they're going to have a new sandwich. But apparently it didn't include an item that somebody wanted. So they sent in a, a, a response. This, is, this was a fellow. He happens to be black. They've got his name here. He sent a tweet that said that they, that. Chick-fil-A has grilled spicy deluxe, but still no and oh, 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 spicy nuggets. Chick-fil-A responded and said, your community will be the first to know if spicy items are added to the permanent menu, Don, exclamation point. Guess what? They're getting slammed because apparently, okay, I'm, I'm going to try to be fair here and think this through, that that was racist. Like, your community. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, mm. Okay, it wasn't maybe a great choice of words. Yeah. However, there's a screenshot of a Chick-fil-A tweet from August explaining the company is currently experimenting with spicy items in different markets around the country. Shows the company again using the word community in response to a question from a white Twitter user. So, but wow, the world just goes, Rah! any opportunity. It, 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 remember when evangelicals went through the phase of a demon under every bush? Well, these days in America, there's racism in every bush, in every tree, on every sidewalk, everywhere. And it is not helping. It just isn't. I, it, it truly does. This still saddens me to see the deterioration of the lovely relationship between black people and white people. In the South, because that's where I am. I was staggered at how sweetly it worked when I first got here. And now, all of the efforts to segregate? Black graduation? White graduate? What? It is exactly what we got away from. We're not progressing. We're regressing. And I find it quite sad. one 282 beep one 282 Hi, Cecile. My question is, if a person is showing fruit of salvation in their life and they are trusting 100% in Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection for salvation of their souls, and yet they cannot look back on a calendar and say, mm. this was the day, um, are they really saved? Yeah, <laughs> they are. Salvation is a big deal. And yet there are a lot of scenarios where it perhaps doesn't feel as dramatic as it does for some of us. Because I remember when I get saved, I I don't even frankly remember what year it was because I, I, I don't remember dates at all. I don't even know where I am right now. But I do remember that time. Now, what second was it? Do I have the right day identified? No, but I've got the season. And if 
I went to a calendar, I guess I could figure out what year and date and month it was. But I know there was a time when a change happened. And it is my conviction. I haven't met a Christian who has struggled with this issue of not knowing the date, who hasn't been able to identify a season. When did your affections change? When did you go from not wanting to read the Bible to, I got to read the Bible? Remember that time? Remember when you used to act like this, but now you act like that? When did that that happen? Because that's probably the time right there. I recognize that conversion is a big thing. You go from death to life. But there are some circumstances. For instance, you grew up in the church. You've always sung that you love Jesus. Well, now you actually individually have committed to loving Jesus by repenting and putting your trust in him and your salvation now is secured. You, you don't remember the day of that. Doesn't matter. Are you saved today? That's the big question. It's not insignificant to go back to try to figure out when. I just want to make sure that, you know, I should be able to kind of remember this. If you don't know the exact time, don't fret. Don't, don't, don't let that torture you. Instead, ask yourself the question, am I saved now? And like this young lady was explaining, she fully trusts Jesus Christ. She sees fruit in her life. Well, maybe she was talking about a third person. But is that person saved because they don't know a date? Absolutely. So don't torture yourself by trying to determine the date. But if you have questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, you can call them in at one 877 282 Hello, Mr. 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 Frio. Uh, I was curious if there was any biblical uh, passages that talk about the idea of when you can start dating after breaking up with someone. Ah, so this is a specific dating question after breaking up with someone. Might I, sir, deliver a bit of a diatribe on dating? Whether you want to call it dating or courting, I don't know that the American system of dating is a healthy or wise one. Because what typically happens when a boy meets a girl, there's an attraction. It's typically physical. They see something interesting and they immediately knit their hearts together. They just love that person so much. And now their judgment becomes cloudy when they are determining, is this person somebody that I could marry? It's better to answer those questions before knitting your heart together, because when you break up, it's going to hurt. You're going to be damaged. Now, it's not irreparable, and it doesn't mean that you're dirty laundry, but it does mean that you've been scarred, and you've got that in your life, and now that's going to be a part of your history. And it would be better if you make those determinations about, is this person somebody that I could say is qualified to be a spouse? And this is for both genders. Is that man spiritually growing? Does he exhibit the ability and the willingness to lead our family? Is the woman one who is godly above all things? What is her attitude about relations? What is her profession of faith and vice versa? Then you can start spending time together. I would encourage you, be careful. I can't tell you how many times I get emails from young people going, I can't believe what we did. Can't believe it. And if I if I ask the question, well, were you alone? then that's going to be a temp. Stop doing that. Don't put yourself in that situation. 
And I would encourage that when it comes to dating. Just be wise. Remember, this is not about being puritanical. This is about something loftier and better and greater and grander. And that is being equally yoked with a fellow believer. It's funny. There was there was a, I don't know why, this is not the first one that we've seen. It was an Indian dating show. The woman, she plays a matchmaker for an arranged marriage. And they basically, it, it works. It works. First of all, societal pressure to not get divorced makes it work. But it's basically, no, no, no. You, you do not get 10 of your items. You'll maybe get five or six of your items. And you'll just learn to love the other items that are lacking or not miss them. Because marriage is about something different and grander and bigger and, a, and more than a romantic, heady kind of love. The Indian Hindu woman gets that. We Christians should be touting that too. Marriage is to bomb diggity. It's amazing. Find yourself a godly spouse and maybe do it through courting instead of dating. This is Wretched Radio. Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles. And the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines. But they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org Bible, wretched.org Bible to join the Masters Academy International. Thank you for joining us at Wretched Radio today. Did you know there is one simple, convenient location where we've compiled all things Wretched? I'm talking about our full daily 60-minute radio program, our full daily 30-minute TV episodes, information about our other productions like Road Trip to Truth and Transformed, and a store that contains a ton of amazing resources like Jesus Unmasked, the Drive-By series. It can all be found at Wretched.org. And hey, while you're there, I would urge you to visit our donate page. There you'll find information on a lot of the questions you might have on becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner. Now, if you're already a Wretched Gospel Partner, you know we humbly thank you for your efforts in helping us reach millions with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're not already a Wretched Gospel Partner, talk to your spouse and then prayerfully consider partnering with us. Wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Hey, isn't this groovy? Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A preborn center in Buffalo was firebombed. A preborn clinic in Gresham, Oregon was hit with an incendiary device. A preborn clinic in Miami vandalized and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life. And yet, the preborn centers continue to open. Support organizations like Preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today. 
offering freely loving Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the literal battle for life. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Books of the Bible. Colossians was written by Paul to combat false teaching, which taught adherence to dietary laws and religious festivals, and claimed special knowledge received through visions. Paul argues that Christ's sacrifice and revelation are sufficient for salvation. When you are tempted to add to the gospel, remember, Jesus is sufficient, and you can trust in Him. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If Jimmy hadn't interrupted me, this is Wretched Radio. I could have answered the actual question. Sorry. Because <laughs> I actually didn't. How long should you wait after breaking up before you start dating again? And the Bible verse that says this long doesn't exist. It's up to you. But I would suggest a couple of thoughts. Don't rebound. Don't do that. Don't ping, 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 ping. Because you're failing to use the experience that was probably heartbreaking to get better at finding a mate for life. To be better at your role of playing Jesus for a woman who is playing the role of the church. So don't just, okay, so yeah, we're breaking up. Okay. Hello, Helen. Because apparently this is a couple in their 70s or 80s. Take some time to figure out what can I do better? What have I learned from the last one before I get into the next one? Making church signs. You love our signs. You know you love it. You love our signs. You know you love it. You love our signs. You know you love it. Straight from the big guy. We know just what he takes. Like, oh, maybe come down there. So then we put it on the freeway. Makes me cringe every time. Please call one eight seven seven two eight two beep if you've got yourself a church sign. Church sign. If God says it's a sin, our opinion doesn't matter. Amen. Thumbs up to that church sign, Jimmy. There's something wrong here. We usually <laughs> stagger out of the gate on church signs, and then it takes a while to get a gallop going to find a good church sign. Yeah, that's actually a good church sign. Yeah. Let's try number two. Church signs. I'm so sorry for this. See, I could tell. I could just tell already. This is going to be painful to listen to. The poor fellow feels like he's been beaten with a club. Church signs. I'm so sorry for this one. God will never give you up. Will never let you down. Will never run around or desert you. You want to know why I actually like this church sign? It's because it confirms my belief that these trendy pastors who like to do worldly pop shows and rock shows in their church, all guys who grew up in the 80s, they just want to relive (laughs) it. They need to hear themselves some knockoff of Duran Duran. Hey, she sounds a little like Cyndi Lauper. Let's do something hip and relevant and do music from the 80s. You see that all the time. And then the guy comes out. He's got jeans on and an untucked shirt and just maybe should consider Peloton a little bit. That is a trend that is constant. Why would you put up a church sign? That is an allusion to a Rick Astley song. You talk about limiting your audience. Although I got to tell you, 
His stuff was catchy. It was. It was really. (laughs) And he's a professing believer. And he seems like he actually could be. I've seen a video of him where he sings Christian, like Christians, and he's given a Christian testimony. So what I'm trying to say is when it comes to Rick Astley, Mm. never give him up. Thank you. (laughs) Church sign that makes sense. Do not run with the world. Walk with Jesus. Okay. Fine by me. Isn't trite. Isn't silly. It's biblical. I... I can live with that. Church sign. Church sign. The church is a good... Wait, what's going on here? Yeah, that's another mashup. Okay, you got to let me know about these mashups. I'm sorry. <laughs> so this sign is pretty popular because at least two people called in with the same one. Right, we get a lot of it. All righty. Which is okay because the last time we did a mashup, it was a boy and a girl, and I thought it was just a husband and wife team being cute. <laughs> right. You wouldn't want that from two fellas. Church sign, church sign. The church is a gift from God. Church, comma, some assembly, some assembly required. <laughs> I wonder if that was at an AOG church. Hi, oh! It's a double assembly <laughs> pun. One eight seven seven two eight two. Church sign. Be the person that your pet thinks you are. Mm hmm. That's adorable. <laughs> that that could be on a calendar at Hallmark, couldn't it? Just shouldn't yeah. be on a church sign. Church sign. Fall into church. God will pick you up. Fall into church. God will pick you up. I thought we were going to get some sort of fall into church by springing out of bed. And stepping into summer because it ain't winter. Some sort of goofy falling reference. Okay, fall into church and God will pick you up. (sighs) Heard worse. I'm just trying to think if I've heard better. (laughs) Church sign. Forbidden fruit. Make many jam. Huh? There's, okay, there it is. (laughs) Yep, they can get worse. Church sign. You've got friends in high places, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now you, Jimmy, you missed an opportunity. That's a Garth Brooks. I know yeah, it. I just, I you, heard it right you now. You know what this tells me? You like Rick Astley more than Garth Brooks. <laughs> no, Is I that just, the conclusion of the matter? I just heard it right now. <laughs> so you've got friends, you've got friends in high places, I think? Yeah. You've got friends in high places, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Isn't it nice to have some buddies in heaven who happen to be God and are reigning? Yes, Jesus has made us a friend. That doesn't mean he's our chum, our knock-around buddy. Furthermore, I hope the word high was in all caps so that people really got what they were going for there. You've got friends in high places, otherwise people might miss that groaner. Church friends, God can live anywhere, but prefers your heart. Now we could use some air air supply. You know what? It should be. Because you're every deity in the world to me. Makes our God sound like a boyfriend. What was this? Recently there was, uh, what was, Jimmy, were we listening to that together? It was a, it was a, it was a worship song. And it's like, um, excuse me, you're talking about Jesus here? Hmm. 
I just want you to hold me. I just want you to whisper in my ear that you yeah. love me. It's like, blah, blah, blah. That wasn't one of our jam sessions. Uh, <laughs> Church time. If you don't know the truth, you don't know who's lying. Well, it's not really a church sign, but it should be. <laughs> it's true. If you don't have a straight line, you don't know what is crooked. Church sign. Looking for love? Love comes from God. Okay, sort of First John 4. I heard a sermon the other day. A pastor, oh, he's a kid. He's a kid. He's a whippersnapper, I'm telling you. He's just, he's just, um, he's, he, he wears... He, he looks like the, the he's 20, and he's a great preacher. He's just so mature. Somebody sent it to me at ID at wretched.org. They said, this is a guy who has the same kind of tone as Alistair Begg without the Scottish accent. But this guy had kind of an interesting way that he spoke. But he was so, you could tell he loved his sheep. He cared. That's the way that he spoke. And his text was First John four, is it seven or eight? In this, in this is love, not that we first love God, etc. But this is how we read the text. Our verse this morning is First John four seven. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God. He who loves not, loves not God. For God is love. I loved it. Reading it with a tone that communicates what was being written. And it was such a joy to hear that and to understand what love is. It's not a gobbledygook, gloppy, romantic, is it storge? What's a filial love? That it's, that's not God's love. It's not this, oh, what this, mm, this adorable world. I just love them so much. I guess I better go and die for them. And speaking of quid pro quo relationships, the book, uh, no, not His Needs, Her Needs, that, that was uh, Will Harley who did that. I liked Will. He wrote His Needs, Her Needs. It, it's one of those one of those Christian books, uh, that, the love languages, Gary Chapman, 30-year anniversary. Even the New York Times wrote about it. It's so popular, and there's a lot of helpful stuff in it, but it's not exactly Christian because it's a you scratch your spouse's back, and guess what? Your spouse will scratch your back. Guess what? That's not Christianity. Christianity says, I'm going to scratch your back just because. That's love. Not what I get in return. But what I have already been given is then expressed by loving others. So while there's some helpful stuff in Gary Chapman's love languages, um, make sure that you understand your motive. His needs, her needs was very similar. Figure out his needs, figure out her needs, fulfill them, and then they'll do the same for you. And I get the truth that's in that, but that's not Christianity. Christianity is, no, I want to serve you. I want to love you because I have been loved so much. And Jimmy, don't know that you know this, but His Needs, Her Needs, Uh such a popular book. It was actually translated into Arabic. Really? Yeah. The title is His Needs, Shut Up. (laughs) Until tomorrow, go serve your king. (laughs) 